Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 4th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the doctor's opinion on page Roman numeral XXVIII, the first paragraph which begins, We Believe and So Suggested. Today's readers are Sarah Y., Anita L., Devorah S., Amanda R., and Eileen M. Our newcomer greeter is Susie K., the reference number for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2017, is 9410. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah Y. to read the 12 steps of OA. Hi, Sarah Y. from the Dallas area. Um, Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we, would, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah Y. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions of OA. 
Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia with the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in The Doctor's Opinion on page Roman numeral XXVIII. The first paragraph, which begins, We Believe and So Suggested, I will ask Devorah S. to read and comment on that one paragraph. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Devorah S. from New Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. 
We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And having once formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Now, there's a lot of information in this paragraph, a lot of, a lot of messages. And first one that I want to say is, I, you know, when I heard about this allergy and the phenomenon of craving, it was like it all fell together. It like all the pieces in the puzzle actually clicked because I could never understand why, you know, I had to finish every bag and every box that I started. There was never enough for the next day. There was never. My kids would say, what happened to X? What happened to this? What happened to that? And I would like roll my eyes and look around and I'd say, I don't know. I don't know. Or I remember the first time I met my I, I, I got engaged to, uh, and I met my husband's extended family and he has a cousin and she still does the same thing till this day. We're talking 35 years later, 36 years later. She took a half a cookie from the plate and she said, that's all I need. And the rest of the evening, I was sitting there thinking, how the heck did she, like, what happened to that other half a cookie? I mean, like, what happened? She does not, she's not like what I am. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't act like that today, yes, but not, you know, I, 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 first of all, I don't start something that I can't finish. So thank God today I don't go after that allergy. Thank God the obsession has been lifted. But all the years proceeding to this program, I could never start something and never finish it because the allergy always got started and the craving and the mental obsession I always had to have more and more. And once I stopped, I couldn't stay stopped. So it's remarkable, this, this um, you know, what, this, what Dr. Silkworth um, came up with, his, his opinion, because it's a fact, according, you know, for me. Um, the other thing I want to share on is that once having formed the habit and they cannot break it, that's me. I formed that habit. Every time I turn to the food for whatever the occasion was, I, I, my reliance upon other human beings, you know, I always thought that, you know, I'll do what she does. I'll lose weight that she does. How often I used to follow people around me to home me they lost a tremendous amount of weight. I'd say, how did you lose it? What did you do? And I only wanted, I was like, whatever they did, I was going to do. I couldn't do that anymore. It wasn't working for me anymore. My, my life got unmanageable. I couldn't, things were just out of control with my food, my family. Things were not, things weren't going well. Um, and things started to get difficult to solve. Things were just out of control. And the only way that I was able to get things back to normal, describe whatever normal is, is when I put the food down entirely. I had to put the food down, coming into this program, getting a sponsor, going to a nutritionist, getting a food plan that was going to work for me, putting down the substances that were causing me to crave, 
that's when things started to happening. Opening up this book, following the directions in this book. Um, now, you know, thank God, there is there's hope. There's a solution. Each day that I wake up in the morning, I have a purpose. I have a, a it's a new life for me, and I'm so grateful. And it's all because, A, I, I put the food down. I, I, I submitted myself to a higher power, and I seek his will. And I follow these directions and these pages, and what a miracle that is. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devora S. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, I heard, wait, wait, wait. I heard Nessa R, and I think I already forget who else I heard. This is Bella. Can I share? Oh, yeah, Bella. That was the next person. And Larry, I heard. Janice. I think I heard Janice. Janice. I don't write as fast as some moderators. Um, So I have Nessa, Bella, Larry. Kim, Janice, Melissa, Tina. Liz. Who did I miss? Liz. Kim J. Reba P. Kim, I got you. Reba P. And Chris. Yes, Chris. 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 Jackie Harley. B. Jackie. Jackie. Okay, Leia. here's who I got. Leah, I heard you. Yes. Okay. I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to tell you who's on the list, because that might fill up the hour. We'll see. Nessa R., Bella G., Larry A., I think, Tim D., Janice M., I believe, Melissa P., maybe, Tina S., Liz, I'm not sure, Reba P., Chris, Harlan, Jackie B., and Leah S. So, Nessa R., you go right ahead. Please. Nessa, did I hear a Nessa or was that an error? Oh, maybe not. Somebody's banging. Please mute your line. And Bella, you will be the first person. Let's mute the line, Rebecca. Yeah, thank you so much, Leah. Hello. Can can you hear me now? Is this Nessa? Yeah, it is Nessa. Oh, great. I did hear you, Nessa. Go right ahead. Oh, okay, great. I just, uh, I think I got muted automatically after a little while. Um, So I'm Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, Good morning. um, I've been in the program now in the rooms for um, about, for 14 years now. And over the years, I have had numerous, numerous food plans. My, uh, my first food plan when I, when I first came in was uh, no binging. That was it. That was it. I could have um, two cookies, but I couldn't have the whole box. And that didn't work very well for obvious reasons. I, g- I gave it a try for quite a while, and I couldn't, I couldn't get abstinent. And when I did get abstinent, I couldn't stay abstinent. Then um, I went to some meetings where the mode of abstinence was to have one plate of food three times a day, nothing in between. And the motto was, if I can lift it, I can eat it. 
um, no food restrictions. So you can imagine what my plates looked like. And that didn't work. So at that point, I started to clue in the volume might be an issue for me. So instead of using a dinner plate, I used a salad plate. So now my definition was, uh, my, my my, my food plan was, um, one salad plate, three times a day, nothing in between, no food restrictions, nothing worked. Um, still couldn't get abstinent, couldn't stay abstinent, you know, it, it, was, um, it was impossible. So I started to clue in maybe there's some ingredients that are a problem for me. And of course, I landed on the usual ingredients, you know, sugar, flour, etc. So I said, okay, I cannot have anything that has sugar in the first five ingredients. So, you know, desserts and things like that were out. But it was okay for me to have a pasta sauce, let's say, that had, that had sugar in it. Um, no flour, so I wouldn't have bread or pe- pastries or things like that. But I could have like, um, like an ex- eggplant parmesan where flour is not the main ingredient. That didn't work. That didn't work. Uh, it wasn't only, uh, until about six years ago. Uh, when I came into contact with my current sponsor and I learned that I have an allergy of the body that um, results in um, my craving the foods that I ingest that trigger me and the more I eat them, the more I want them. And it doesn't really matter how much of them I eat or how little um, of them I eat. Um, And I also realized because volume is my, my, my thing, the more I eat, the more I want, um, that I also had to weigh and measure my food, that I couldn't just eyeball and put, you know, pile food on my plate. And what this brings me to is, you know, we cannot use um, in any, uh, we cannot safely use in any form at all. So if I'm allergic to sugar, then I cannot have even traces of sugar. Not like, even if it's in the millionth ingredient of a product, I cannot have it. You know, if somebody has an anaphylactic allergy to peanuts, they're not going to say, well, you know, I cannot eat peanuts as, uh, uh, if they're in the first five ingredients, but if it's the sixth ingredient, then that's okay. That would be crazy. That would be, um, that would be uh, self-destructive, which is the same thing um, that my food plans were for me. When I learned that I have an allergy, that precludes me from eating certain foods that I can never safely use at all, then I need to be very strict um, about it like somebody who has a fatal allergy to peanuts because I have a fatal allergy to sugar, flour, volume, and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, and I have to take it seriously, otherwise um, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to die. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Bella G., you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Anita, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Well, I'm sorry. I think your name is Rebecca. I'm sorry. Um, well, for me, the the knowledge that I got that my disease is that I have an allergy Allergy in the body for me was the first, the, my beginning of my recovery because till I came to the program, I believed that something is wrong with me. I couldn't understand why I cannot stop eating, why I take one cookie and I, di- I need to finish the whole bag, 
why I'm taking a piece of cake and I really wanted to take only one small piece and I found myself straighten the whole cake and why I wanted and really I wanted to take one small piece of chocolate until I didn't finish the whole box I couldn't stop and I lived with shame with guilt with anger with jealousy and you name it and I couldn't understand why and I was blaming myself and I really believed that Something is wrong with me. Everybody in the world can control, and I am the only one that I don't have the willpower. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that when I came to Vision for You and I got a sponsor from Vision for You, and she told me about the alcoholic food, and she told me, Bella, make the list and find out what are your allergies, your alcoholic food, for me it was like, wow, a relief. Yes, this is the way I was created. It's nothing to do with me. This is the way that God created me, that I have an allergy to those food. And as soon as I eat them, you know, I, get, I, I just cannot stop and it's nothing to do with me. And it's It's a miracle. It's a miracle that now I know that, yes, I have a disease, that it's allergy in the body, an obsession in the mind, and a lack in my relationship with the higher power. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. As soon as I don't put those alcoholic food for me into my body, you know, it's a relief. I started to live in a peaceful way. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Larry K. Good morning, Rebecca. Larry K. Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. The, um, you know, step one for me, it's just so important what we read in the doctor's opinion. Uh, it's about a jump from denial to conscious awareness. And step one, you know, is all about accepting what our problem is. You know, remember, if I, if I don't have the clarity of what my problem is, then there's not going to be any clarity of purpose. And my road to a solution, if I need a solution at all, is going to be muddy and it's going to be slippery. It's going to be very muddy and slippery. But if I have clarity in terms of what my problem is, and, and Dr. Silkwood lays it out, you can accept it or you can say it's nonsense. But... I had to accept it. The disease convinced me to accept the notion of this allergy of the body and obsession of mind. I have a biological mandate with the allergy that when I pick up my heroin substance, that I have an intensification for more, an intensification, the craving for more. And that happens to me. And although it can be slightly delayed, it happens to me. I, I never had... Uh, one piece of chocolate, unless it was the last one available to me. Never had that. Now, I might eat like a gentleman in front of you. You know, I could, I could do that because of, you know, shame and remorse. But generally, when I'm in this disease of isolation and I'm eating the way I eat, I'm biologically mandated to have more. And even if I minimize what I eat in front of you, I'm going to get mine later. 
And if you're like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's really important that we get an understanding of what this deal is. Remember, steps one, two, and three are going to prepare us for the work. We're not doing any changing yet. Yes, we, of course, we put our food down, but the work itself, the actual recovery is, is going to be in steps four through nine. And then steps 10, 11, and 12 are, are, are the maintenance and growth work. That's how we maintain and grow what we get from four through nine, which is recovery. And the last I'll say is there's, you know, there's 12 principles which co-align with the 12 steps. And so the principle of this very first step is truth. We're really seeing the truth of our condition in Dr. Dr. Silkworth's observation. And if we don't get a clear idea of what the truth is, if we get a watered-down message, we are going to be on that muddy, slippery path. And you're going to leave or you're going to die or you're going to remain fat or you're going to remain, you're going to continue to vomit. You're going to do whatever your behavior is because you don't know and you have not accepted exactly what your situation is. Remember, we're jumping from denial to conscious awareness. And then we get busy on the work to rectify that, which is to be, to be brought into alignment with the higher power of our own understanding. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry G. K. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm shivering with excitement on page this magical page. So this idea of an allergy, which manifests in a phenomenon of craving, and, and I have to tell you, when I was introduced to this concept, it didn't make sense to me, because my 2017 now def- definition of allergy was. Well, I don't get short of breath, I don't break out in a rash, my eyes don't get watery, I don't start to sneeze, I don't understand how you can tell me I'm allergic to these foods that I eat in large quantities. And someone introduced me to the simplest definition of an allergy, which is an abnormal reaction. So sometimes it helps me personally to look at something that I don't have an abnormal reaction to. So I personally am not an alcoholic, so if I sat down with an alcoholic and we both had five shots of tequila, we would both get drunk because that is the normal reaction to alcohol. And what happens to me is I feel a little bit sick, a little bit nauseous, a little bit out of control, a little bit tipsy. I don't like that feeling and I do not want any more alcohol. Now the alcoholic is going to get a charged up, excited, got to have more type of feeling from the alcohol. And they're not only going to want to drink the rest of my alcohol, they're going to go out and seek more alcohol. So if 9 out of 10 people react like me, and 1 out of 10 people react like the alcoholic, it simply means they're having an abnormal reaction. It's not about moral character. It doesn't mean that person's a bad person. So if I can now relate that to me, that reminds me of when I'm at a fair birthday party, and I have a piece of birthday cake, and I am so joned and hoping the mom is going to ask if I can go and help clean up the kitchen so I can eat the rest of the leftovers. And I'm looking at my little friend across the way who's had a half a piece of cake, and I'm pounding on the, on the table thinking, why don't I have that willpower? What I didn't realize is she doesn't have willpower. In fact, if she had some more cake, she'd probably feel a little bit sick, a little bit nauseous. When people say something is too sweet, They're not lying or bragging. That is their experience. That's the normal reaction to my binge foods that I don't understand because it's not my reaction. And I want to end with this. You know, that that abstinence is black and white. This allergy happens in certain foods, ingredients, and behaviors. Abstinence is black and white. 
Now we have a food plan, which is different. Our food plan is our limits and boundaries around the foods that we do eat, and that's going to change over our lifetime. But our abstinence won't change, because once we have that allergic reaction, it's going to happen every time, which is why we can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And, the, and this is the last thing. I often hear a lot about these yellow foods, and I do use that as a way to ferret out what is your abstinence. But once you discover a food has an allergy, there's no such thing as a yellow food. It's black or white. The food creates the phenomenon of craving, and it doesn't. And if we don't accept that, we will die in this disease. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Janice M., I believe you wanted to share. I believe I do. Thank you, Rebecca. And uh, good morning to you, and good morning to everyone. I'm so happy to be back with my voice. Um, Yeah, my name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. It says, we believe, and I think the word truth was already mentioned. And see, I didn't know the truth about my illness. I just didn't know it. I tried for years and decades to find out the method so that I could become normal when it came to food Um, because that's the most important thing I wanted to do was to be normal. But see, I found out that I had an abnormality. I had a disability um, uh, towards certain substances. And uh, you maybe have a disability. You may not have a disability towards certain substances, but I had to find out the truth about me. And when I started studying, this is where we got, you know, where I got the truth that I have an allergy. And like it was said, you know, but it didn't show anything. You know, yeah, of course I got fat, but, you know, an allergy, you know, I want to see like a rash or whatever. But however, the the results of the manifestation of my allergy is the phenomenon of craving. In other words, if I compare myself to my husband or somebody else that is a, quote, normal eater, they may have a little bit of craving today and have a little bit more cake or ice cream than usual, and then they stop. But see, my body is different from the normal with certain substances. It's certainly normal when I have to eat asparagus because I hate asparagus. So I don't have any phenomenon of craving for more. But give me another substance like a donut. Try to control that. I can't because the allergy is in my body. I cannot go inside my body and fix it unless I don't pick up the substance. You see, in this phenomenon of craving that I have, when I ingest, only when I ingest that substance does the phenomenon of craving begin. Not before, but After I ingest the substance, it is only limited to us, to those of us that say we're a compulsive overeater. Um, It never occurs in the normal eater. And, you know, it's like an alcoholic. They're just getting started taking the first bite, the first drink. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't get that phenomenon of craving, but I certainly do it with the food. I'm just getting started. And um, it, it's, it, it, I can never be safe and eat again that binge food that I say that I'm allergic to. I'll never be safe with it, no matter how long I've been off it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. 
Thank you, Janice M. Melissa C., I believe. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, there's, uh, the idea that this is a phenomenon, you know, that there's a phenomenon of craving um, was um, like such news to me that there was an allergy and that this was a phenomenon that this wasn't just um, me not having enough willpower, you know, um, and there was a great sense of relief when I learned about that, but there was also a great sense of dread because what follows is separation from those foods um, is is permanent, you know, we, the talk of, of a permanent recovery, being recovered, um, means that the sanity will return, that my desire for those foods will be removed. But I have to remain completely absent from those foods um, and understand that 100%. And, you know, there's, at least for me, there was relief, but there was a grieving process. You know, I had a lot of experimentation to do before I really could um, surrender and let go of my food, you know, and, and this morning, um, I was straightening up in the kitchen and, um, and putting things away in the cabinet and, and we're still like putting Christmas and Hanukkah stuff away. And my kids, all their Christmas candy is still in that closet. You know, my husband got like desserts and, and treats his mom made and, and it's still there. And, you know, and, and I, I look at my family and they're the average temperate. You know, they're the average temperate eater, drinkers. Um, so when I think about temperate, you know, is there a variation, a little swing here and there for them? Yeah. Did they maybe overeat a little bit on Christmas, a little bit on New Year's? Yeah. But they don't have this phenomenon of craving. So they're still leftovers, whereas I have never been able to do that. If I pick up those things, they're gone. You know, those things would be gone within a day. I would eat them um, until I was physically sick and then seek out more. And once I've done that, my problems pile up on me so fast. It's a matter of days before everything starts spiraling into the toilet. You know, that's been my experience. And, um, you know, as far as those red, yellow, and green foods, when I initially was looking to get abstinent and helping people, there was a great morning, and, and those yellow foods sort of helped me know um, that maybe someday I could look at those again with an honest eye. But the truth is, um, if you're only eating your green foods and you become recovered, sanity returns, and it becomes clear, yeah, those yellow foods are a lie. If you're looking to control it, it means you can't. And, and so, um, you know, I'm glad that I know the truth today. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Tina S. Were you next? Yes, Rebecca, sorry. Um, I couldn't get unmuted. Um, Tina S. Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Well, I heard some really great things today, and I'm so grateful to be on the line. Uh, One of the things that 
really strikes me and continues to strike me is that the action of alcohol or alcoholic foods on these chronic alcoholics. Okay, now this is what it does to me when I put, that's what action is. You know, this is what alcoholic foods do to me when I put them in my body. You know, I have an abnormal reaction. You know, and it sets off this craving, which is a powerful desire. You know, what a way to describe craving, a powerful desire. And that's just so what it was. And I'm so grateful today that I don't have to participate in that. And, um, you know, and the reason I don't is because I do a few simple things so that I don't have to one day at a time. And and it says that <clears throat> these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all, you know, and never, you know, it's at no time, on no occasion, forever, you know, <laughs> you know, because I want to think that never means, oh, just for right now, um, but at no time, no occasion, never, forever, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm so grateful that, you know, I'm not the only one that feels this way or has this action or reaction and that, uh, and it can't be broken, you know. You know, if I'm in the food, the habit, you know, I can't break it, you know, and I live in this, you know, lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human. I wanted everybody else to take care of all my stuff because I was in the food and I could not be responsible for anything. I couldn't have a clear thought, let alone be an adult or be responsible. And um, and then, I, you know, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Was so my life was so my life and uh and so grateful today that with a power greater than myself I don't have to live that way one day at a time with people in my life you know if I don't know how to do something certainly somebody that I know does you know and I just need to open up my mouth and so with that I'll pass it's been a great meeting thanks thank you Tina S I believe Liz spoke up and is next hi this is Liz S recovered from New Hampshire um, I think what really struck me uh, is the years and years I spent trying to diet in uh, in LA, and I actually had a long period of uh, success, and I put that in quotes. Uh, and then I picked up what I realize now is one of my uh, binge foods, and uh, gained back most of the weight that I had lost. And when I came upon the doctor's opinion, it was a huge relief, enormous relief, to find out about the um, phenomenon of craving and the mental obsession. And um, in all the years I've been in LA, which was about, I came in in 1985, I'd never, we'd never really read it and gone over this and talked about the allergy. So for me to find out that I was allergic to a lot of the foods that I've been eating and that I could eliminate them from my food plan and be free from them and, and have that freedom was and it was wonderful. And, was, you know, as someone earlier said earlier, that I could have a food plan that was black and white and also um, be free of the unmanageability that I was experiencing eating the foods that were causing the phenomenon of craving because when I eat foods that do that, my life becomes completely unmanageable and crazy. And, you know, it's sort of like, where am I going to get this? Where am I going to get that? How am I going to get it? How am I going to have it? So 
I I really thank Dr. Silkworth many, many times for writing this opinion and making it possible for me and for so many others to identify those foods that are, uh, in, in my words, uh, in my, my own words, dangerous and uh, so that we can eliminate them from our food plans and be free and uh, have food plans that are black and white and, and safe and therefore uh, proceed with steps and uh, and I guess the word I keep thinking of is be free, uh, especially from cravings and um, just go on with the steps and be able to look at those foods that we once had cravings for and be completely uninterested and, you know, just they're meaningless. And that's all I wanted to say. Thanks. Thank you, Liz S. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. It really strikes me this um, allergy, which is an adverse um, abnormal reaction, and the allergy consists of a phenomenon of craving. And I heard at a meeting, and it was so helpful to me, that, you know, in normal eaters, they get cravings first. Then as a result of the craving, they go and have whatever it is they were craving, and after they've had the food, they're done. The craving is satiated. But with me, and this you know, doesn't make logical sense, except I did experiments and research and tried over and over to disprove it, but it's, this is how it is for me. I don't crave the food in advance. Um, I just have a bad day, or I feel depressed, or I'm scared, or whatever, and it's like, oh, that might be a good idea. I think I'll pick that up. And then after, after I've ingested the substance, I have some physiological chemical reaction that my body cannot sit still. I have like the shakes and the jitters until I get more of that substance and it's never enough. So it just strikes me how it's opposite. I get the craving afterwards. And um, the more I eat, the more I'm not satiated. The other thing that struck me is the word never. And I am so grateful that Dr. Silkworth had this amazing idea that was so revolutionary because I tried and I tried and I tried to eat certain foods, ingredients, and have certain behaviors um, in moderation because that's what I was told from a medical uh, program. And it didn't work. And I'm so grateful that I'm not alone. And I heard an analogy when I first came into program. You know, once a cucumber becomes a pickle, you can't convert the pickle back to the cucumber. Like it just, it's permanent. And that's what's happened to me. Maybe there was a time that I don't remember in my life where I could have something in moderation, but it's broken and it's never going back. And it's actually a relief to know to not even bother trying because it's not going to work. The last thing that struck me is the reliance upon things human. I relied on myself. 
I relied on my intellect. I relied on my effort to try harder and harder and harder to fix this thing because it just didn't make sense. And I'm smart and I should be able to figure this out. And the food was the first thing that I couldn't figure out. And I had to rely on something bigger than me to get me away from the fridge, away from the coffee shop where I worked that was baking great things, um, and just keep it down. Um, And I still, every day, need to rely on something bigger than me because I tend to make a mess of things when I try really hard. Um, So it's about doing the work, having access to a power, and it begins with the simple, well, not so simple, but with the the physical part of relying on something bigger. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Chris G., perhaps? Is there a Chris? Who is next? Well, I may have gotten that name wrong. Harlan G. Why don't you take a turn next, then? Good morning. It's Harlan G. in Scottsdale, Arizona, recovered compulsive overeater. Can I be heard? You sure can, Harlan. Thank you very much. And thank you for your service, Rebecca, and thank you for Team Wednesday for all your service. Uh, I think we've covered the physical allergy really well, so I'm going to focus in on some other things here in the paragraph that are very, very vital to my survival. For as far back as I can possibly remember, I have told myself that I am not going to eat Almond Joy bars. I am not going to eat cookies. I am not going to eat cake. Because people would be screaming at me from the time I was four or five years old that if I did eat these things, that I was doomed, that I was unacceptable, that there was nothing about my life that would have a shred of happiness, that nothing in my life would be okay as long as I continued to eat these things. And I could not understand for the life of me why I wanted to eat these things more than I wanted to breathe air. I just knew one thing above all else eventually. I don't want to live in this world. I want to die. And I would beg God for death. I didn't have the onions to go kill myself, but I did not want to live in this world. And when I read that part of the paragraph that said, we lose self-confidence, I related 100%. Because when I would tell myself in the morning, at night, in the evening, in the afternoon, that I'm not going to eat Almond Joy bars anymore or Kit Kat bars anymore, I was serious. And for about a minute and a half to 10 minutes, whatever, I didn't. And then I did. A very wise woman said to me a long time ago, if you treated your friends the way you treat yourself, would you have any? And the answer was no. If I lied to you every day, I lied to you, and I did things to you that destroyed your life, you would run from me like the plague. And how was I supposed to have self-confidence? when I lied to myself and destroyed myself and I believed that it was 100% my fault, people would say to me, you're doing it to yourself. And I believed them because I didn't know that I had an illness. And the truth is, 
I didn't choose this. I can't cure this. I can't control this. It's, it's above me. It's not anything I did. The other thing it says in here is reliance upon things human, which is going to be reflected back on page 60 in B where it says no human power could have relieved our alcoholism because when the big book wants to teach me something, it doesn't just tell it to me once. It tells it to me repeatedly. And I would look at your together outsides and I would look at your outsides and think, man, you got it going on. And I knew that my quivering insides did not have it going on. And so I tried to overly depend upon you. And I would manipulate you into taking care of me. And you tried. I was a good little manipulator. But you never did the proper job. And so I I would resent you. And then it says their problems pile up on us. Of course my problems piled up on me. I was thinking about Kit Kat bars and Fritos. I couldn't think about my long-term assignment in science. I couldn't think about my long-term assignment or my homework from yesterday. How was I supposed to do homework when I'm loaded to the guttles on Reese's peanut butter cups? And so my grades suffered and my life suffered and my work suffered and I wanted to die until I came into program. Until I came into program, I thought it was 100% my fault. Four minutes. I have a program, and I have, a, I have steps and a book. Thank God for Overeaters Anonymous, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Jackie B. Yes, hi. I'm Jackie B. from New York City, the Bronx. Hi, Jackie. Um, I am so grateful. Um, I've been in program since 1992, and um, and I've had all different food plans. I've had all different absences, and this last time around, 146 days today uh, is when all of a sudden the big book came alive again. I mean, I've read it from for years, and and always used to be so resentful because I felt like I got put here because of my father who's still to this day 80 years old and um and you know is still an alcoholic today but I have a relationship with him today thanks to recovery uh my mother passed away from complications of this disease uh my sister is my 14 year old is I met my husband in these rooms so you know it's a long history but um what I got out of this all of a sudden today I decided to to listen for a vision for you and really listen. And I heard somebody say, you know, in the, the she shared how, uh, you, you know, you have to take a shower every day. Well, this is, you know, I have to do this work every day. You know, I can't live on yesterday's recovery. I have to live on today's recovery. And, um, and when I suddenly realized that, well, like everybody else shared, I totally get it. I, you know, it doesn't matter what the ingredient is. It could be the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. I have to realize that that ingredient cannot be there at all. And the day I took out all the allergic ingredients out of my food plan, all of a sudden, I didn't understand why I didn't crave anymore. Why wasn't I thinking about food 24-7? Why wasn't I weighing and measuring everything? Even weighing and measuring now, I'm over, I was over 373 pounds. Today, I have over 140 pounds off. And the reason is, is because I suddenly realized it's not because losing the weight. It's because I'm a volume eater, P. 
period. So therefore, I weigh a measure so that I am having boundaries with my food. I, you know, when I learned about the ABC food plan, you know, list, I was like, oh, yay. Then I realized, you know, there is no uh, middle of the road for me. The minute I decided that I was no longer going to do the allergy, uh, a trigger the allergy, the obsession of the mind started to clear. I started to have clarity. I started to be able to work the vision for you. I did the steps. I did everything that I found a sponsor from a vision for you. I've never met her, but thank you, Debbie F. I mean, she just, I got it. All of a sudden, I'm reading these chapters, and I'm going, holy moly, I get it. Um, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful I didn't leave. I'm so grateful I understood now. And um, and now I'm just, you know, know that I have to work this every day. I don't go to bed until my, oh, thank you. And with that, I'll, I'll end. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie B. Leah S., you are going to be our last person to share, and the roster matched the clock to the T. Go right ahead, Leah S. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. Oh, my God, such beautiful shares. I Okay, this is Leah S., a recovered, grateful, compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. Um, so I have an allergy of the body. Um, I could never understand that. I could never identify with that because I have no allergies. To me, allergy means when you break out in a rash or something bad happens, and um, there was nothing bad happening to me. So, yeah, I want to lose some weight, but I don't have an allergy until I couldn't identify what is my allergy and I was told, do this only for today, only for today. Do you think you can have only one little box of that chocolate? And I said, oh, my God, yes, yeah, sure, I can do that. I can do that for one day. And I, and I did it. But the next day, I wanted to have more. So wait a minute. I am allergic. I am allergic, but I'm not willing. I'm not willing. So that's what's called the obsession of the mind. That's the double whammy that they're talking about. It's first it starts with, I want that food. I want that cellophane bag. And then my mind does tricks on me. So even though you're talking to me about the train is coming and be careful, my mind is on that little piece or or that cellophane bag is, yeah, 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 it's okay. My concentration is not complete. And once I started to realize and once I started to understand what is this mental obsession, what is this allergy of the mind, I am ready for step two. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah S. Perhaps you meant allergy of the body. I'm, I'm not sure, just to clarify. Um, thank you, everyone. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Amanda R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning. This is Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maine. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.